if you buy a house, hold on to it for 20 years and you'll see the value of it. Don't look at real estate as something you invest in for the short term. And I think you'll really see where it becomes a really solid asset that gives you incredible tax benefits. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Ash Patel, and I'm with today's guest, Shannon Robnett. Shannon is joining us from Puerto Rico. He is a multifamily and commercial developer and has done over $350 million of development. Shannon has also personally transacted over $160 million as either a buyer or a seller. Shannon, thank you so much for joining us. And how are you today? Good man yourself. I appreciate you having me on the show. I'm doing great. And it's our pleasure to have you. Shannon, before we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah, I grew up in a construction and development family. My dad was a builder. My mom was a realtor. I watched them do deals at the kitchen table. And that was kind of how I grew up on the job sites on Saturday and Sunday. And I thought I wanted to go to college and be something different, but the real estate game just kind of pulled me in. And I've been happily doing that for the last 28 years. I had a lot of ups and downs, but wouldn't trade it for anything. That's incredible. So did you not have a natural inkling to go into real estate or were you just so bombarded by it that you wanted to get away? You know, I think that was kind of it, right? I was so sick of hearing about it. And I was so sick of cleaning up job sites. And I even remember we're recording this right around Christmas time. I even remember going out one Christmas day, Ash, to go fix a problem on a job site with my dad. And I was looking for anything normal other than real estate, right? And I got out there and I'm going to college And my little brother's making $45,000 a year in 1993 with no college degree, no nothing. And I'm just sitting here going, I can't believe I'm actually doing this. And so I quickly reversed course and went back into real estate. It was a very short, I think I'm going to be different than everybody else. What did you want to go to college for? Computer information systems. There was this guy, Bill Gates was doing some pretty crazy stuff. And then this other guy was doing stuff with a fruit company. And I just thought that would be the path to riches because computers were everywhere. Well, let me share my story. So 93, I graduated from high school and that's when the tech bubble was booming. So I actually went into computer information systems. That was my major. I had like a 15 year IT career and then I found commercial real estate. So congrats for finding the fast track to get to where you are now. It just I took means a long I way. Knots on my head than you do because <laughs> I got into it early. All right. So, a family business, did you just walk into that business or did you start out on your own? That's the funny thing about family, right? Everybody's business is your business or your business is everybody's business. But I got done with the whole I'm going to go to college phase of my life. And I told my dad, I want to build a house. And my dad said, okay, go get the backhoe. So I'm like, well, what do I need the backhoe for? We could just hire a guy to dig the hole. And literally by the time I got done building that first house, I had dug the hole. I'd put in all the utilities. I'd poured all the concrete. I'd hired two other guys. We'd framed it. We'd sided it. We'd painted it inside it out. We'd built the cabinets. I literally built the house. And it took about 70 days to do that. Wow. But at the end of that time, I knew how to do all those different aspects of it. And... I realized that I hated every single part of it. 
right? <laughs> so I had to figure out a way that I could be involved in the real estate business without actually being involved with the building of the house. And that's where I kind of settled in the commercial field and started dealing with that and then working through building police stations and fire stations and schools and hospitals and going that route, but always on my own and always just trying to find the next opportunity to hone my skills until I finally just realized, why am I working for everybody else? I need to be doing this for myself and started going down the path of investment building. Well, you learn how to build a house, but then you started building commercial buildings. Why not stick to what you know and just keep building houses? You ever met homeowners? (laughs) (laughs) The reality is when you look at it, when you're putting in a foundation on a house, it's the same as putting in a foundation on a police station. It's one aspect of the job but it's much, much larger. And I was able to find that by doing 10 large commercial projects, we could do $25 million a year. And in order to do $25 million a year in volume at a 7% margin, I would have to build a lot of houses. So it allowed me to condense time into different projects. And then I then took that into the multifamily space and the triple net industrial space and started to run away with that stuff. And how many years did you continue to focus on building commercial and industrial? I still do. We've got a couple of opportunity zone developments going right now with warehouse. Triple net warehouse is such a fabulous thing because like apartments, it's the incubator space. You know, you get out of your mom and dad's house, you go get an apartment, then you save up your money, you go buy a house. It's kind of the same thing. You start a business in your garage or you and your buddy are going to become window tinters or whatever. And you go rent a small incubator space and then you go build your own building. And it's the same kind of thing, but they're parked a little bit longer. We even saw in 2008 when the market was crashing, people were paying their rent before they were paying their house payment because if they didn't have a place to do their business, they couldn't pay their basic bills. So that's just always kind of been kind of a bread and butter slice. And as cap rates continue to heat up on multifamily, still a little bit more lucrative to do the industrial right now. And when you say industrial, is that more flex space? I love that space because it's so easy to rent. It is. They've got little requirements. You put a 10 by 10 office in the front and a bathroom in the back and a roll-up door and about 2,000 square feet with some basic heat and, and electric requirements. And everybody fits in there from a guy that makes gelato ice cream to a guy that manufactures bullets or cabinets or tables or whatever. We've got all different types in there. Yeah. And if somebody wants more office and less warehouse, just put a wall up. If they want the opposite, move a wall. Exactly. Yeah, that's incredible. Is that primarily what you're building now? No, we currently have about 500 units of multifamily going and only about 80,000 square feet of industrial space. So we do what pays. So you pivot on whatever asset class is being overbought. Correct. Currently, we just broke ground on a 190-unit apartment complex. We've got a 35,000-square-foot supply house in Florida and 375 single-family homes that we're doing in a subdivision in Florida as well. So we're kind of asset agnostic as long as it makes money. I love that. And I try to get investors to look at that as well. You know, a lot of people, their best advice is be hyper-focused on one niche. And I'm the opposite, man. Find what's paying, find out where the deals are, where the money's at, and continue to pivot. Well, you know, everybody talks about multiple streams of income and everybody looks at that and says, I need to be in four apartment complexes. But the reality is, is if you're in apartment complexes and you're in notes purchasing, and then you're in industrial space, and then maybe you're in a mobile home park, you're in multiple asset classes, but then you can also diversify that even further if you want to, 
And I agree with you. I think diversification is good. I think you need to be good at what you do. And real estate's not rocket science or brain surgery or even as complicated as tech. So it's something that you can become pretty good at with a little bit of home study. We'll get back to the show in a few minutes, but first some sponsors I'm confident you'll get some value in learning more about. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Mark your calendars for the best ever conference, February 24th through 26th, back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. You can get 15% off right now with the code BEC15 at besteverconference.com. That's the code BEC15 for 15% off at besteverconference.com. Do you do any remodels or is it all new construction? It's funny you ask. Actually, today I'm closing on my first value add, and it's an office building. (laughs) So I'm buying an office building that's brand new, 1980, that we're going to completely rehab the inside of it. We've got the FAA as a tenant and some other space in there, but coming out of COVID, office is in the absolute toilet. So it's a great buy. It's a power play at this point. We're buying it for a lot less than we could even think about building it and remodel it. And I think that we'll learn, right? We're going to do a first remodel in 2022. That's great. So why not continue to pick up other assets cheaper than you can build them? So strip malls, retail, industrial. We are. We're looking at that because it's been easy. I think there's been plenty of fruit for everybody in the value add, then the slim pickings got there with the multifamily. Everybody's kind of looking at different stuff. Strip malls are now coming front and center because retail is dying, but they're in phenomenal locations. So to pick those up and repurpose them, we've got one of those under contract. We've got some other stuff that we're looking at, but I completely agree with you. And if you're stuck in one mindset of, I only do value add multifamily in Southwest United States, then you've really got a small bowl to pick from, whereas if you're willing to look at exactly what you talked about, you've got the opportunity to see how you can work all over the nation and continue to pick up where there is still value to be had. Agree. If you're looking for a multifamily that's value add in Southwest Ohio, the penalty is you're paying three and a half caps. For a 1972 model. Yeah. And you're competing with 10 other people that have the same mindset as you. Exactly. And as you know, we're about the same age. That late 1970s model is starting to show its wear. (laughs) You're not kidding. So what's in the horizon for you? What's next? One of the things that we've started doing lately, just because we were bored, is we're actually beginning to tokenize real estate. And we're moving that intersection of blockchain 
into the real estate asset class. And one of the things that everybody confuses is they say, oh, you're in crypto. Well, we're not. But the technology is so much similar to, let's say, title chain, that it allows for so many opportunities and so much liquidity for syndicators and developers to bring that to the forefront where people can actually own fractionalized digital currency that's asset-backed with hard assets like real estate, and then make that tradable and transferable in a distributed ledger that really opens it up to everybody. Can we deep dive on that? You bet, buddy. Let's go. All right. And what I love about this podcast is we have no preset questions, criteria, except the best ever lightning round. So we can talk about anything we want. For our best ever listeners that maybe have heard the term tokenizing real estate, what does it actually mean? A lot of people confuse tokens and coins. A coin is a blockchain. And that blockchain is digital information that has the first piece encrypted with the information into the second piece and the third piece. Let's bring it back to real estate. Like title, you can go find out how long this property has been in the family where it was a full section and where it got divided down that became a subdivision. All of that is in a title chain. Blockchain technology creates the same ability to give that information for you, but it also puts that in a distributed ledger so that you can see it, I can see it, somebody in Tallahassee can see it. Everybody has the ability to see what's going on here. And that creates some transparency. When you do that, you create a digitally transferable asset. And when people talk about tokenization, you're really just taking what we would normally have as a share in a syndicated model, and you're making it a digital hashtag that contains all the information, the PPM, the offering memorandum, all the waterfall instructions, everything there is tied up in a smart contract. And then that information is put on the distributed ledger. And then how many shares are owned by each individual or each named entity. So it creates some anonymity at the same time that it creates transparency as to who owns what pieces of this. And then what it does the most is it allows for that transferability to start happening. Because one of the things that syndicators hate is trying to find the marketplace for you to try and sell your piece of their pie after two years when their deal is a five-year deal. This allows that liquidity for that transfer to happen because it's a digital transfer and we are actually creating the marketplace for that so that now you can have that liquidity to sell or do other things with your particular digital asset. Yeah. And it's an immutable ledger. So you can't go back and change things, right? You can add to it, but you'll see all the additions on the ledger. Uh, The beauty of that is the liquidity. So for the syndicators out there, if you have somebody that says, hey, six months in, I'm getting a divorce. I got to get out of this. I need to liquidate right now. You don't have a lot of options unless you can find a buyer for that share. Whereas if you tokenize this and there's a marketplace, it always has a value. Right. So within six months, you might've already gotten 10, 15% appreciation. You can cash out and get some gains versus the syndicator saying, fine, we'll cash you out, but it's a 15% penalty. The reality is, is there's a lot of products that are coming into the market, but basically these are all tied up in a smart contract. And that smart contract, it's really not smart, but it executes on its own. So if you're doing this liquidity play and you have people that want to move around as a syndicator, that becomes a headache because then we got to track the paperwork and we got to do all this stuff. But with the blockchain technology, it takes care of all of that thought process. 
it tracks all of those things. So then when you're sending your distribution out, you're sending it down the line like a Plinko machine. It just goes to the lowest piece of the chain and says, here, this is your distribution for these shares or these tokens. And it creates that ledger. So then it's really easy to track who did what, who gets the K1s for how many shares, for how long, and what level they sold at. It allows for royalties to be paid to syndicators when people sell. It allows for a lot of really cool things that people haven't really thought about. But most importantly, it allows syndicators to begin thinking in an infinite state where I'll never have to sell this because I can still get the reward that I would normally get by getting it to this next level without actually having to liquidate the asset. Yeah. And I guess, how do you equate that to an NFT? NFTs are not really tangible, but in this case, your token is tied to a tangible asset. But in some cases, it works in a similar fashion. You can buy and sell, trade royalties. I think you could go either way. I like in the NFT is to taking the Mona Lisa, and we all want to own a piece of the Mona Lisa. But then I look at digital securities like Apple or Microsoft. Microsoft doesn't really have anything that it makes. It makes the surface, right? But it doesn't really make anything. It's all about intellectual property and programs. So everybody understands that you're not going to buy an NFT, a piece of Microsoft. You're going to buy a share of Microsoft, but you're going to buy ownership in the one and only Mona Lisa. So I kind of separate them out that way. And reality is the NFT is a one of a kind. And while my apartment complex is a one of a kind, there's a lot of us in there that own it. And we own those digital ownership shares. So it makes you wonder, why don't they do fractional shares of the Mona Lisa, fractional shares of NFTs? Because it doesn't sound near as cool as non-fungible. Yeah. We'll get back to the show in a few minutes, but first some sponsors I'm confident you'll get some value in learning more about. How are you doing on your goals this year, whether it's planning for your goals or whether it's executing on those goals? I imagine one of them has to do with financial freedom, taking control of your finances. And I can tell you that is a possibility within the next one to three years using a proven system created by my friend, Michael Blanc. He's got the program Deal Maker Mentoring. Here are some of his students who have been in the program and what they've accomplished. Melanie McDaniel, she closed her first 24-unit joint venture deal and is now pivoting to become full-time in the industry. Within five months of joining, Cheryl Groovy from Atlanta, she had a 34-unit deal under contract, and she partnered with two other deal-maker mentoring students, and together they raised $700,000. And Brian Briscoe, he said thanks to deal-maker mentoring, he had the opportunity to accelerate his timeline and go after much bigger deals than he would have on his own. If you are ready to commit to achieving your dreams this year and you've been thinking about getting into multifamily, well, text the word Joe to 66866. Again, that's the word Joe. You know how to spell my name, right? J-O-E to 66866. Do it right now while it's fresh on your mind, and let's get you started with your own syndication business. Deals and money. We are constantly seeking deals and money as real estate investors, and I bet you're having a challenge right now. 
especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success in real estate. And follow-up boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly directly for deals, or you can follow up with your investors, and you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners, then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The follow-up boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Follow-up boss offers experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial, twice the length of the normal trial for a limited time. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. I had Neil Bawa on a few weeks ago, and he stated one of the driving tailwinds for real estate prices is tokenization, because once overseas investors have easy access to American real estate through tokens, it's just going to be on fire. I think that that's true. And I think that the one thing that the tokenization does is it it takes out the liquidity question. And when people are looking at that, I think that Syndication is very popular and it's getting more popular all the time, especially as prices increase and yields decrease. But I think the fact that you're able to create that liquidity so that I'm making a commitment to you for as long as I want to, not as long as you, the GP, want me to, I think that that's going to change a lot of it as well and give people more reason to look at parking money or parking capital in syndications and then knowing that they can get out whenever they feel like. Yeah, I got to ask you. So you started in your family business. Did any of your family come with you to the development side? Well, my brother builds custom homes in a resort area. My dad, he retired when he was 50, having plenty of incubator space that's kept him and mom happily motorhoming around the world. So my brother does something very similar. We worked together for a period of time, but he's an exceptional high-end home builder, and I really can't stand homeowners. (laughs) I love it. Shannon, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? I think the fact that you're doing it. I see so many people that spend so much time analyzing this and analyzing that. If you're going to get involved with real estate, get involved with real estate and make sure that you're in it for the long haul. So if you buy a house, hold on to it for 20 years and you'll see the value of it. Don't look at real estate as something you invest in for the short term. And I think you'll really see where it becomes a really solid asset that gives you incredible tax benefits. What was the hardest lesson you learned throughout your incredible 28-year run, whether it was about partners, finances, transactions, assets, anything, just a really tough lesson that toughened your skin? I think that the thing that I've had to learn multiple times is that you need to often be the answer to your own problem. You can get somebody that can either be a partner or a part of your business that can do what you need to do in that business better than you. 
And that's always great. But if Tim doesn't show up today, who's going to cover that role? You need to at least be able to function in that area. But I see a lot of people, they're coming into the space, they go, I only do this part of it. I don't know anything about the rest of it. And then all of a sudden partnerships come apart as partnerships do. And that person knows nothing about the rest of it. So I think you need to be a master of something in your business, but you need to understand and be able to do all of your business to some fifth grade capacity in order to not get stuck hanging out in the wind. I think that's what your dad was thinking when he made you do the siding, the windows, the paint. You know what? You don't have to agree with him. (laughs) (laughs) But I completely agree with you. That was exactly his thought process. If you know how to hang the cabinet when the cabinet guy doesn't show up, you just take care of it. Yeah. Shannon, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? I am. Let's do it. Shannon, what's the best ever book you recently read? I think the one that I'm reading right now is The Creature from Jekyll Island. It's all about what has happened to our currency and what's going on with the dollar. And it plays out so incredibly strong into what's happening with inflation right now. It's really an eye-opener and how it's where we're at with what's happening with the dollar and the world currencies has been 150 years in the making. And assuming there's this massive inflation on the horizon, how do you prepare for that? You borrow as much money as possible. Yep. The reality is if you can pay back today's loan with tomorrow's dollar, we're all experiencing 16 to 20% rent increases due to no fault of our own. Why wouldn't you take that profitability and borrow and acquire other assets that you're going to pay back in future dollars that are inflated? Great advice. Shannon, what's the best ever way you like to give back? I love my community. I love to be involved in it. And as we're coming out of COVID and you see a lot of businesses have been struggling and things have happened, I really make it an effort to buy local and to make sure that I'm contributing to my local charities. I get it. There's a lot of national charities out there and there's a lot of national chains that provide great food and great shopping experiences. But give into your community and make sure that when you have the opportunity to be charitable, that you are and that you do it in a way that benefits your direct community. And Shannon, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? Easiest way to do that is just at shannonrobnet.com. Awesome. Shannon, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. 28 years in this business, starting out as a residential home builder, quickly pivoting, and now 28 years later, continuing to pivot. Incredible story. And thank you again. Appreciate the time, man. It's great to share with your audience. Yeah. Best ever listeners. Thank you so much for joining us and have a best ever day.